This is the Pro-AV Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Pro-AV Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. It seems like theme parks have only been upgrading their scope in recent years. With Disney's acquisition of Marvel, Star Wars, and more recently Fox, and full-scale immersive Harry Potter and Star Wars worlds already open at Universal and Disneyland respectively, I think we're coming to expect more from our visits to these parks, and it seems like there might be more around the corner. What does it take, though, to deliver on these immersive experiences that end users want? And more specifically, what does it take on the AV side? Here to give their perspectives are two guests from Electrosonic. We have UK Senior Consultant Paul Kent and US Vice President Chris Conti. Paul, Chris, welcome both of you. How are you doing today? Fine. It's great to be here. Yeah, good. Thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting on this. Uh, you know, I, I feel like it's very timely, also very visual. I mean, I think it was this weekend that uh, Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland opened up, which is their new immersive Star Wars attraction. And, uh, you know, b- besides the general building of the Millennium Falcon and all of the rides and the cast members that they employed, the AV that went into it, I'm sure, was magnanimous, to say the least. If we talk about that today, uh, I'll definitely be pleased, but even if we just generally touch on that explosive growth in theme park attractions, then, you know, I think we'll definitely hit the mark today. Um, I personally haven't had the pleasure of visiting some of these newest theme parks, but my most recent stint at Six Flags introduced me to some new VR Justice League ride that I think represents kind of the tip of the iceberg for what we're talking about today. Would, would y'all agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Justice League is a uh, is kind of an accumulation of all the different kinds of technologies and experiences we've been developing over the years. And it's almost an assault on every sense, but it's a whole lot of fun for sure. Absolutely. So let's kind of get a, a more general overview of what the theme park experience looks like today. And I think what's really setting that tone is the consumer themselves. Um, tell me, what has the consumer come to expect from the theme park experience? And how are you seeing this influence the future of rides and park development in general? Paul, you want to take a stab at that one? <laughs> I'll start with the easy one. Yeah, I think um, uh, in general now, the cons- consumer, the guest at a park is there to experience something better than they can get at home. Um, it's and not a one person kind of headset experience. It's a group experience a bit like chris just mentioned earlier it's, it's kind of the assault on the senses in, in far more detail and uh emotion than you can get in your home environment uh, and that's the way we seem to be moving forward at the moment yeah and the other issue here not an issue but challenge is that we are given these fantastic movies and television shows that we're challenged to create on a real-time experience and uh, that's always been a challenge for us from even the early days of Princess Leia holograms. Right. And, uh, you know, where audiences expect this when they go to the theme parks. And it's becoming more and more of a challenge, but I tell you, more and more exciting for all of us as technologists. Because the difference between a, a real-time theme park experience and a movie is we don't have the layers of post-production that you do have in a movie. Uh, There's the certain elements within the kind of video projection and, and that part of it where you can 
have those layers, but in the overall experience, it that you have to be real. Right. The the production itself has to be pretty flawless. There is no, you know, adjusting on the back end. Very little. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and certainly not uh, per individual experience. And would you all say that this is reflecting? changes in the entertainment industry as a whole not just for theme parks but just in the way that people are consuming their media oh no doubt it's all um you know it's all escapism on some level uh we we consume media on a minute by minute basis but we're also consuming media for escaping into worlds and other alternate alternate realities that uh, are both in a in a film and television world but also they expect it in theme park worlds, for sure. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's also being seen now in dining experiences and evening guest experience. A theme park now uh, isn't necessarily, or I don't think will be the traditional park that we've expected. Um, certainly in Europe, there's a huge growth in immersive dining, immersive evening experiences and pop-ups, um, which is going to affect the way we do this with the much bigger IPs within the park. Yeah, but even not even for an entertainment level, Paul, wouldn't you yeah. agree that even museums are taking historical storytelling and, and education storytelling to a whole new level and creating more immersive experiences to tell a historical uh, context of you know, a country's history or some event that happened in the past? Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. They're taking what they have, maybe a couple of props and some assets and, and placing you back in time. And I, again, I think that's because of some of the historical dramas that have been on TV, the, the placing that's gone on with uh, recreation of history in, in the film world. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think in just the way that people engage with live experiences too and the entertainment in that realm, I think is also influencing these theme parks and how they're developing the next generation of their attractions. Uh, even if you look at uh, retailers or you look at how people... Um, you know, shop for what kind of hotel that they want to stay at when they're on vacation or when they're going to a concert or when they're going to a, a conference even, you know, like in Infocom, which is around the corner. Um, people need a little more motivation to get them out of the house nowadays because the convenience of shopping and the convenience of accessing media is just so lucrative at home that when you go out and you go do something, there needs to be that extra added layer of immersion, of content, of um, of just like next level integration that you wouldn't be able to get at home. And so I think the theme park, even though you know it's meant to be sort of the pinnacle of, I think, um, in-person live attraction, it's having to meet this demand that the consumer is setting. Oh, no doubt. Um, we get asked all the time, you know, what? how can we create a wow moment? And that wow moment is the, you know, creative designer's desire to pull people to their experiences. So, you know, we're challenged to create wow moments to put, do exactly as you say, draw them out into the Infocom experience or into a retail experience. Um, and that uh, that's the fun part of designing these attractions because we're constantly trying to do something different to beat the next wow, right? Right. Yeah, um, I'd say that. And it, it, it's become more of a just a thing about a projection or a screen these days. It's a, 
it's a combination of a lots of pieces of environment of audio of smell of light of projection uh, of scenic and, and props that the immersion is um, all around you not just a technical thing you know and this is actually not a new concept this has always been in the cards even in the expo world um, you know the french expo when the eiffel tower was created it was a big wow moment. Everybody came to the expo to see the Eiffel. But then when it was being produced in Chicago, um, the, the term was, how do we out Eiffel Eiffel? What was, what was the thing that we're, we can create to outdo what they did in France for the Eiffel Tower? And that ended up being, of all things, the Ferris wheel. Yeah. It's, I was going to say, it's been the same. It's the movies. You went from black and white and added talking and added music and then added color and then added special effects. You know, it's, it's, I think it's a natural progression, just the technologies to make it repeatable and slightly affordable uh, are now really starting to come to the fore. Right. So let's talk about the interactivity itself. Um, you know, I think the technology and the business decisions behind that can be deeper than we realize. Um, especially the the content creation and sort of the, the creative decisions behind it all and how the technology motivate those conversations. So I'd like to ask, what are some of the ways that these environments are becoming more interactive? And you know, even just beyond VR, which I think is is probably the most obvious answer to that, um, you know, more more augmented reality stuff, the way that digital signage is becoming more interactive and playing to everyone's individual experience. How are you seeing it work? What are some of the most effective examples you've seen? Yeah, sure. There, let me start this. Paul and I were just talking about this. You know, interactivity is always a, a buzzword that designers and creatives want to use and incorporate into an experience. The issues that they run into is that you also have to create a linear storyline so you can tell the story. And uh, then you've got to flush people through an attraction in three and a half minutes. So there's throughput. It's continuing to develop in our industry to create more interactive, linear storytelling experiences. But it does come with its challenges, right, Rahul? Yeah, I mean, we're just starting now with the the non-linear rides, uh, you've got kind of two fixed points and the way you get there may vary by the way that you interact with your environment around you, whether that's collecting points or deciding to turn left or right at options. But um, it's coming there, but it's, you know, you may have multiple storylines that come to a single point finish. Uh, again, this is kind of being driven by technology and story and people being willing to invest that much in a production. When you've got a linear story, it doesn't cost as much as producing five different storylines to get you to an end point. Um, and then still deal with the throughput issues because you may have a floor plan that's bigger and uh, more complicated than just a simple linear storyline. And certainly group interactives are much more challenging mm. than individual interactives. Um, and you just touched on you know, the technologies like VR, which is really more of an individual interactive experience, and AR, which is more about layering on top of the rest of the media and both physical and electronic. So, you know, my personal feeling is AR, like, like uh, some, some, many others, believe that this is the technology that's going to have a lot more viability in theme park attractions than certainly a VR experience. Well, with the VR experience, there's always the the barrier 
of just the headset itself. You know, if you have to put on goggles and a screen to then immerse yourself in that world until I think it becomes even more virtual and more interactive, I think augmented reality just as a concept is is probably going to have more success because I think people when they go to a theme park though they like the the digital immersion and the fact that there are digital layers to add on to things the physical immersion is kind of first and foremost added on with the storytelling and I, I think we can see that with the new Star Wars um, Galaxy's Edge that just opened I mean the the effort they put into the design and the uh, the production of the actual environment and the fact that you have a fully functional, I mean, okay, not light speed operable, but you have a, a to scale Millennium Falcon there that people can walk into and, you know, explore every crevice. That's the kind of stuff people want to see. They don't want to experience that through a headset. They want to experience that in person. So I think the, the conversations evolve more around how does AV, how does digital signage, how does technology elevate these more tangible experiences people want to have. Sure, but, sure. Oh, go ahead, Paul. No, I was going to say, Chris, as you've been to Galaxy's Edge, why don't you just chip in now? Because I know you're dying Oh, you, you have been. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of the lucky, lucky dogs that was able to see this before the large crowds hit it. Wow. Okay, well, then we, we need the full scoop, as much as you can tell us. Well, oh, well, it's now all online. But uh -huh. I'll just tell you... Um, you know, I'm a bitter old theme park guy, and I was absolutely blown away. And there's a lot of reasons for that. First of all, the design detail, the attention to detail, the props, the scenery, the sets are magnificent. Probably some of the best art direction I have seen in years. Uh, and that's a wow. testament to the Disney team and all the talented artists but they went all out even lookbacks are themed but when you walk into star wars you are essentially physically immersed into the world of star wars and i'll tell you that will be any vr recreation that i've ever seen in technology and it's as you say it's a physical world where you you look you see and you smell and you feel all the energy of the Star Wars brand. And the talk about elect, uh, electronics or technology that kind of enhance that, it's all about complementing what you're seeing and what you're experiencing. So the, the layer of soundtrack from area to area is this, it sets the bed of emotion for the Star Trek, Star Trek, I mean Star Wars brand. The blinky lights and the little door controllers and all the little electronic gadgets and the robots are all through the facility. And you really feel like you're in the Star Wars world. And it's it's so dynamic and so compelling. It made me giddy like a kid. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, it took me back to the, the eighth grade when I saw Star Wars for the first time and I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. It's a pretty exciting place. Yeah, I mean, just the pictures themselves were beginning to communicate that to me. Um, so I'm, I'm starting to save up a little bit to make a trip down there. Um, but, you know, I, I think you really hit on some good points there. But I want to bring it back to the storytelling aspect because I think that is what really helps sell all of this. Uh, because it, at the end of the day, what I think is making Galaxy's Edge so popular is even though the production is great, 
the immersive experiences are great, um, and, you know, it really feels like you're in a Star Wars world, there's a story behind that, right? You're in a specific no doubt. city in the Star Wars universe. You know, you're, you're interacting with cast and crew that are each telling their own little piece of the story of this world. Um, it's not just, hey, look how cool we made everything, and look, you can touch a Millennium Falcon— you know, it gets people asking, ooh, why is the Millennium Falcon on this world? And why are these people here? And, you know, they have answers to that. How are you seeing the technology, the AV, sort of amp up this storytelling? And and why do you think the storytelling has really become the key focus of this next generation of entertainment? Sure. Well, the, the key for technology uh, to enhance a story is all about integration and hiding that technology. Yeah. So it's not like you walk through this world and you notice big projections or you notice speakers blasting audio in your face. It's so well integrated. And that's the key is to make it an integrated subtext to the storytelling that it doesn't distract from the storytelling. It actually enhances and delivers the storytelling in almost subliminal ways. As I mentioned, just the soundtrack of uh, uh, noises throughout the land uh, sets the stage because it, cause you everybody knows that soundtrack. You understand what those tones are, what the ship hum is. And uh, it really does uh, play a role in supporting that story. And I, I was going to say, I think this, the immersion in a land, you think, go back to the Magic Kingdom and you had Frontierland and Adventureland and, and all of that. You know where you're expecting yourself to be when you walk into a land, Cars Land or whatever. Um, your backstory is there, your brain fills that in, and you then take all these subtle cues on. So it's all part of that. And as, as Chris said, the, the best technology is the technology you never see. Yeah. And the nice thing is it's, uh, it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be fancy. It just has to be clever. It has to be creative. And that's, right. that's, it's a delicate balance that you play with the amount of money you spend on technology and how you use it. Glad you brought up the money because I wanted to kind of move this conversation over to the, the business side of these conversations. Um, you know, though the storytelling and the creative angle is great, like you said, there is always that delicate balance of how much money do we spend on the technology itself where, you know, maybe we could be spending it on just more um, more set design or more on the the gifts or the rides, you know, it, it, it is a delicate balance, especially when you're at a theme park. Um, so how have you seen these conversations kind of play out on the business side with decision makers who are, are looking to either build a new exhibit or reamp an old exhibit and they're wanting to add tech, tech flair, right? Digital signage, they're wanting to add AR, something like that. You want to stab that, Paul? <laughs> okay. I was going to say... It, it... In the, in the theme park world where they're used to using storytellers, it's a much easier thing. In, uh, in the museum environments and places like that, it's a harder sell. The budgets are normally tighter, uh, especially on uh, uh, museums that are, uh, are free entry, uh, where they're looking for grants and sponsorship. But more and more now, they are realizing that power of storytelling. It's not just about curating 2,000 display cases full of objects. You know, there is a real... Uh, quest to have that story so they're they're pulling in the best parts I mean, some of the best small effects we've done are, in the uk and in europe are really small soundscapes inside a much bigger castle or uh, historic building just to add that background flavor because you walk into a big ballroom 
that now is curated for the future, so there's nothing really happening in it. That added layer of sound just behind you to bring some emotion and to bring some presence to it is a lot, and that is inexpensive. Um, and more and more people are seeing this play between the two. You know, I think that's possibly where you're going with that one. And the the other thing, it's kind of interesting. I think Paul and I see it as our responsibility to deliver um, new ideas and economical ideas using technology. You know, we don't we don't ask questions early on in a meeting. You know, how big a screen do you need? We ask questions like, what do you want your guests to feel when they walk into this space? And uh, it doesn't have to be a giant, expensive video projection system. For all I know, it could be shadow puppets that work well for this scenario. But it's about balancing the right technology and finding the right solution for the client's needs to give them the most impact for their budget. And that kind of wraps back with this storytelling thing. And the kind of the worst question is that we get asked, or one of the questions we get asked all the time, is what's the latest and greatest? And actually, that's the hardest way to start a conversation. Yeah, conversations sure. about what you want to experience, then we may be bringing in some of the latest and greatest or not. We may be doing a recreation of something that we've done 15, 20 years ago, but with far more reliable and up-to-date technology. And technology is more reliable now. Yeah, I think it all boils down to having a clear end goal in mind when you're building a new exhibit or updating an old one. Um, because if you don't, then, you know, I think it's the same conversation we have for uh, retail installations, corporate installations, I mean, any sort of AV installation. If you're focused on the technology only, then you're probably not going to be happy with the end result because it's not communicating the vision concretely. It's just giving you something cool, but cool only goes so far in today's day and age. You are yeah. right up the money. And we've, in fact, we often are talking our clients out of technology because they walk through a space and they say, I got to have one. I'm going to develop a show around this thing. And that is completely the wrong approach. Especially, I was going to say, especially with the retail environments. I mean, when we're putting technology into a retail space, we're taking away uh, square footage of selling space. You know, we're going to take away a lot of square footage to put some technology in. You know, what's the repayment on that? You know, what's their return on investment? We've just taken away, you know, two, three, four, five, ten displays to put in a show environment. Uh, and they've got to be convinced themselves that that's the right investment. So, Paul, Chris, to kind of wrap this up and get it back to the AV professionals, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of things they have to to juggle in the first place. We're juggling not only the, the business decisions and the clients that are wanting to balance budgets and and make sure that whatever their final investment is, is worth the money. There's that end of, of the conversation, but then there's also the creative side of the conversation. You know, how do we deliver something great that tells a great story, utilizing either the best technology or some of the classics to, to get to that end goal? Uh, they're balancing two different worlds Plus, just the general tech, you know, how do we install this? How do we make sure that this is integrated uh, in a way that feels seamless, in a way that doesn't detract from the experience or feel like just added technology? So for the AV professional, if we had to give them some tips, some 
kind of final step forward, what would it be? You know, how would you guide them when approaching working on something like this on a, a themed experience? How should they begin the process? How should they make sure to come out on top? And you know, what do they really need to remember? Well, um, I think Paul and I touched on this a little bit, but it really is about guiding the conversation on an emotional creative level rather than on a technical level. I mean, we're technologists. We we live and breathe this stuff every day. We'd love to sell all the greatest stuff in the world, but it's not what it's about in the theme park industry or even in the museum industry. It's about engaging in the emotions you're trying to draw from your audience and the that ties into the storytelling. And then let us conceive what technologies will best fit that storytelling and deliver everything the client is looking for. Wouldn't you agree, Paul, on some level? Yeah, I would. I would say if, if, if you go in with a mindset about a particular piece of technology, you're going to drive the conversation down a route that may yeah. not be the best end result for both the technology use and for the story, the client, the guest experience. If you kind of go in and just sit and listen, look at drawings, look at pictures, look at the visuals, be part of the conversation, advise people when, you know, you can't do that because it defies all the laws of physics, but we could do something similar. Um, I think that's the way to drive it because that otherwise, and that way the technology is truly integrated in the experience. Otherwise you'll end up with flat screens on a wall everywhere and LED walls and projection mapping, which is kind of what we want, but we, we don't want you to know it's there. Yeah. Well put. Well, Paul, Chris, Thank you both so much for joining us on the Pro AV podcast today, giving us your insight on this. Uh, Chris, you got me re-excited to go to Galaxy's Edge now. I, I definitely have to make it a stop. Um, and, you know, I'm glad that though they delivered on something that just feels visually grand and immersive, that they approached this from that storytelling perspective, like you said. Um, I know that has worked well for me as an end user and i think the the trends are there people are responding correctly when there is something deeper there that people walk away from the experience saying wow yeah the technology was cool yeah it was immersive it was fun but the story there was great oh the way that you know i was able to fend off the enemy here because it played to you know a larger experience that's what's fun when you get to feel like you're part of a larger story, even just for a little bit. It's that escapism that we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. So thank thank you both for joining us on the podcast and for, for giving us this look and giving us your personal take, your professional take on what makes great AV in the theme park experience. Um, is there anything that you'd like to add here for the professional, for the client, for the end user, something they should take away from this as they flip to the next podcast? May the force be with you. <laughs> I would have to agree there. I would. And I would also say engage somebody from a technology perspective as soon as you start thinking about something. Yeah, early involvement. Early involvement is going to give you the best experience. Yeah. Proactivity. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Well, Paul, Chris, thanks again. We'll have you both on again soon. That's thanks great. so much. Take Thank care. you. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. And if you like what you heard and would like to listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. 
I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.